Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD. I'm Eamon Clark. I'm in the Espresso Library in Cambridge. Slightly noisy, but we found a quieter corner near the, um, the toilets. Is it there? <laughs> and I am with Tim Burnell. Welcome to the book club, Tim. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Well, we've survived Storm... Is it Dennis today, I think it is? Is it Dennis? I'm not sure. Well, we haven't... It hasn't really kicked in yet, yeah, so let's, no. let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> the train has all said, you know, there's going to be problems. But anyway, we battled through that to get here. So we're going to be talking about uh, a 2000 AD book in a moment. But we begin, as ever, with 2000 AD origin stories. Mm. Tell us about when you started reading The Prop. Yeah, I, I had to think really hard about this because I've always read British comics, but actually 2000 AD, my first experience, wasn't when I was reading 2000 AD. I, I got the annuals, I think they were hand-me-downs from an uncle or something right. like that. They were around, um, you know, the early 80s ones, like Brian Bolland and all that. And, um, but it wasn't until I got, it would have been about 88, 89, that I started reading the prog. And I think I'd gone through that transition from... Battle Action Force, and licensed comics like uh, the Transformers and, uh, and things like that. And as I got a bit older, yeah, I still love comics, but I wanted something a bit more, a bit, bit, bit more to it, more you know. Um, and and that, that was a really exciting time, I think, in British comics because you had um, kicking off independent comics like Toxic were coming, and yeah. we had the British Invasion, and, and all the American well, sort of uh, companies really wanted British uh, creators, and uh, so the. I just remember there was a lot going on in comics, so I'm not, I don't have a definite feeling, but I, I remember that this comic in particular, the, this strip, must have been one of the first issues I got, because I remember having a huge impact on it at the time. Right. Um, so, but yes, it was. Uh, I just always loved comics and British comics, and being exposed to the predecessors, like you know, the, even the, the Battle Picture Weeklies and all this sort of thing, it always just sort of... Um, been reading them and a lot of them were very cheap hand-me-downs and you could right. pick them up um, quite easily so yeah. okay and 2000 e now what do you feel about it now these days are you still it's, it's interesting to me because some of my thoughts particularly on on what we're talking about today are that at the time it was controversial because it was a change and they were introducing new art styles and new ways of telling stories and that's actually what they're doing now and actually, now that I'm a middle-aged man, I'm a bit reactionary towards that. Um, so it's it's sort of quite interesting for me that um, it's not the comic I grew up with, right? But that's not a good, that's not a bad thing. Um, I mean, Judge Dredd's always consistently very good, um, but it's I don't know. It, it, as I'm older, I, and there's different entry points and different things uh, resonate with me. Um, it's still interesting, they're trying to do different things, but it's me that's changed rather than a comic, I think. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, let's go back to a classic period of 2018, and that period, as you say, when you're starting reading, yeah. and you're having great fun with British comics, and then you start with this one. Tell us about the book you've picked for the book club. Right, so we have picked the uh, wonderfully controversial Strontium Dog, The Final Solution. Fantastic. So let's do facts and figures first of all. We're talking about a story that ran in fits and starts from Prog 600 to 687. So it ran quite 1988 all the way through to 1990, I think, when it finished. Uh, Alan Grant is the writer. Simon Harrison and Colin McNeil on art duties. We'll be talking about them. Letter, Gordon Robson and Tom Frame. Editor at the time, Richard Burton. 
And I guess before we get into a brief outline of the plot, we ought to do a spoiler warning in a way. Spoiler warning, yeah. <laughs> this is... This features quite a controversial turning point in the history of the Strontian Dog strip. Indeed, yeah. um, And if you haven't read it, you might want to stop this podcast, go and read it first, and then come back and join us. We'll still be here. In fact, we recommend you do, because it's very good. It's very good. <laughs> okay, so give us a brief outline of what, of what we're talking about in the story, and also particularly why you've chosen it for the book club. So this... The reason it's controversial, I'll just I'll just get to the bit of, uh, straight to uh, it. Straight Here we go. Here comes so the spoiler. Really, this this is um, a story that leads up to the death of Johnny Alpha, um, and it's quite interesting because it's I suppose similar to a lot of Judge Dredd's stories. Um, Johnny Alpha is not the main character in this. It's actually two other characters. One is introduced, Farrell, and also um, uh, McNulty, um, who, who are the people who that you relate to and tell the story through um, which is you know it's, it's actually quite effective but it also gives you a bit of a foreshadowing in, in a sense because they're they have the character arc um, and it's we were just mentioning before we started this it's very um, it's a very political story it is yes um, it's very much about you know people's attitudes towards uh, patriotism and uh, Britishness um, and discrimination and segregation um, and at the time you know, I, I was living in Scotland at the time we had the things like the poll tax it was a very political time mm. and I've always felt that um, Scottish writers have always been very political um, but the slightly sad thing for me is it still feels totally as relevant today which is almost a bit sobering in a way <laughs> yeah it is a bit scary in a way isn't it to yeah. think it is so relevant yeah yeah it's uh, but it's just uh, yeah the, the same problems that this is trying to flag and it's not very subtle about some of them i mean you've got characters called Molesley or something you know? mm. it's uh, but it's yeah it, it's um, but don't be put off by the political side of it it's it's it's, it's a part of it but it's it's not a cracking read. It's a 2018 story. There's plenty of action and adventure, and, yeah. it's, and it's well paced. Um, so, is, is that a, a decent enough synopsis? I'm not yeah, I think much so. Detail there. I mean, you know, it's interesting that it's called the Final Solution, mm. which obviously is, a, you know, yeah, so quite it, a loaded term. Isn't I, it? I think at the time I was reading this, uh, that was a bit missed on me. Right. Um, and actually, when I see that phrase now, it makes me uncomfortable because I'm a bit more cognizant of, of the context. But it definitely is dealing with the final solution for the mutant's problem. Yeah. Um, and it takes quite an interesting turn on how they do that. But what's particularly interesting is about the spin. There's a lot of spin on this, the way things are articulated. Um, and again, very, that's very relevant to how we dehumanise people. Mm. Um, and it almost seems timeless in a way, which is, yes. again, not, not, a, not a nice thing to say. But, uh, but yes, the, the, the final solution, the, the big arc of this is really how they're trying to solve the mutant problem yeah in a way that is palatable to middle England yeah uh, I mean it fascinates me about the history of Strontium Dog where you've got this comic that's essentially a sci-fi western sort of like the have gun will travel bounty hunter yeah but then it does this thing John Wagner and Alan Grant did which was as you've said it makes mutation the sort of standing for all forms of otherness mm -hmm. yeah. and then New Britain as it is after the various nuclears and whatever you know the post, yeah, yeah. post sort of a post-apocalyptic New Britain that you know they 
they are dealing with what they regard as you said the mutant problem and they've come up with there's this character Lord Sagan yeah. who leads this sort of terrible sort of fascist right wing push to get rid of the mutant problem and it's sold as a sort of sending the mutants to utopia but as we find out yeah, it's yeah. not <laughs> yes it's, it's all but it, it's interesting that even back then the idea of spin and making it part of the awful thing palatable to yeah to the public was still very much yeah that, that was part of how it presented you know it works on a lot of levels this story it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. I, I'm just uh, I'm always fascinated you know both sides of the Atlantic mm. Marvel did it with the X-Men obviously yeah, yeah. and Strontium Dog Alan and John did it with you know the mutant mm. problem when those stories returned to uh to, to the New Britain sort of setting. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. fascinating. There's, one, there's a particular, I might be getting ahead of your agenda, but there's a particular panel in this where um, they, um, they sort of ambush a couple of the, the troopers and they steal their clothes and they're left hanging and all the troopers are wearing Union Jack under, underwear. And that's actually quite a good... It sort of shows that there's... It's almost showing like the negative side of patriotism. It's showing, well, actually, these guys are so in it that the, the, the flag waving. It just felt like a really good visual metaphor for um, how your patriotism can be make you blind to uh, to things. And it, but, um, that stuck with me quite strongly. I thought it was a very good visual metaphor. They didn't yeah. have to say very much. It was just you know you could have just had them strung up, but they had the Union Jack underwear. It was very much. Um, it's a very good way of. of um, Saying, well, we've we've you know we've painted our uh, ideology to these colours, but maybe that's blinding us to um, the bigger picture. So mm. that's interesting. And that, that's maybe one of those things. I was just maybe we should cut some stuff out of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit too contentious, but it certainly stuck with me because it, it felt it was visually quite strong. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the creators for yeah, a moment. Yeah. So start with Alan Grant, mm. who's writing on his own here. The sort of partnership with John is broken up at this stage yeah, yeah. Um, we think John was off I think preparing for the Judge Dredd magazine and I think he, mm. um, if Thrill Power Overload is to believe he was writing America I think around about this time or That's getting ready for that the, I mean it was a very creative time you had the, like, the magazine coming out it was, yes. I mean it was yeah, immense levels of creativity uh, absolutely yeah. I mean, it's a huge time as you say yeah, for yeah. British comics yeah, absolutely yeah. so Alan's writing on his own and um He's obviously taken the decision that he's going to tell this story mm. and that the story is going to lead up to the death of the lead character. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, again, from my reading, it says, you know, he hoped, Alan has said himself, he hoped he did the character justice, but he's actually not gone back and revisited this story since because he feels slightly, a bit like we're going to talk about later on, that, you know, it does have a Marmite reputation, as you said, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't... I think people sometimes overread if, if somebody hasn't gone back over their what they've produced before because you know sometimes you just you just move on and it, particularly if you're if your field is creativity and you're producing stuff sometimes you don't have the luxury or it's just um, yeah I suppose I wouldn't read I don't necessarily read too much into that because he's been doing plenty of things um, right and it was very much a thing you produced at that time and that's what you felt you wanted to do so um, yeah. But we often talk about, you know, John Wagner as one of the, like the key writers for 2000 AD. But Alan Grant's output mm. on 2000 AD is immense as well. His oh, contribution yeah. is huge. Yeah, yeah. And you know, my guest that was on my last show, James Peaty, who now writes for 2000 AD, talking about 
how helpful Alan Grant was to him when he was trying to get started, you know. Because Alan Grant's mentored a lot of uh, other writers as well, I think, and and artists, I think. He's encouraged a lot of people, hasn't he? Yeah, I, I think he's a... Maybe because of his personality, he maybe doesn't get as much limelight as a lot of Pat and John because they yes. are larger than They figures. are big characters. And, and you know, and that's big always a little bit appealing if you go to a convention event. That's always quite exciting. But yeah. Alan, you're right. He's um, uh, he's just a pro. You know, yeah. he's just a real pro. And like you say, got a very good reputation with the people that he's worked with. So. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you can't find anybody to say a bad word mm. about Alan Grant. Yeah. You know, uh, as you say, an immense sort of professional creator. Mm and a mentor to so many others as well, which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And editing as well, you know. Um, okay, so he's, he's the writer. Let's yeah. talk about art mm-hmm. choices, because when we talk about Strontium Dog, yeah. we're usually obviously talking about King Carlos Esquera. Yeah, yeah. But this time we're not. We have somebody very new and very exciting, certainly to me. Um, yeah. So we've got Simon Harrison, who, be, who does the first part of the yeah, story. Yeah. The uh, Final Solution Part One. Um, who, as you say at the time, he was very new and exciting, wasn't he? I mean, I blew my socks off. Right. Totally blew my socks off. I've never seen anything like it before, and I've never seen anything like it since. I'll be honest. Um, and particularly when you t- that age I was at, I was you know coming to teenage, and lots of you know you have all this angst and anger and frustration, and the character Feral was the perfect artist to introduce that character. Um, he just got that dynamism um, and when I look at you know, I, I love looking at his art it's fascinating I know some people do not like it and I know why they don't like it oh, my word is interesting um, lots of use of negative space uh, lots of incredibly fine details um, when you look at backgrounds he's actually fading out um, his, his figure work um, is very different to he, he can do like um, yeah, well, you've, you just show it in your pad now the, um, when he actually does architectural work it's extremely fine um, and, and detailed and he did a couple of um, sort of uh, cross sections like blueprints like one when uh, the ships are being shot at yeah. just like, very diverse, very interesting very creative because the thing about art, comic art is because I enjoy art but I'm, I'm never be good enough to think to be a comic artist but it's about problem solving and he's used really interesting and creative ways to solve the problem of telling a story um, and that's exciting to me and it's also quite different from what I'd seen before yeah um, so the, the next art I won't talk go over that but the next artist maybe uses more traditional methods which is not knocking him he's a great artist but um, just the energy and the excitement and I believe that after moving to comics he moved into fine art which he I did yes totally see that yes because it's just um Maybe comics was, was not big enough to contain that creativity. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Simon Harrison because he did Revere, and I had mm. that on the podcast not all that long ago yeah, with Gareth yeah. Hopkins. And yes, as you say, he moved into fine art after working for comics yeah, for a yeah. while, um, which is where you can find him now. Um, but it's interesting you said because this is, you know, it introduces the character of Feral. Yeah. And if I think of Johnny Alfred, I'd usually think of him as drawn by Carlos Escara. But if I think of Feral, I always think of him as drawn by Simon Harrison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just, totally. you know, seems That's like a son. his character. It's his character, totally. isn't it? Yeah. Totally his character. Yeah, he's something very punky, there's something very spiky about the character, you know. He's not and I think that's also a reason why there's a little bit of a Marmite. I don't think the Marmite of this is necessarily just the story. I think people 
who grew up with Carlos's version of Johnny didn't like a different version because he'd always done it. Yes. And I actually think that's a, that's a big factor. Because I didn't have that context, yes, I read Strong and Dog before, but I wasn't, I wasn't massively attached to the character or the artist um, in, in that context. You know, it was, it was just a story. You know, look at Judge Dredd and anyone draws him. Well, not anyone, you know, not anyone off the streets. You have to be fairly decent. Yeah. But the diversity of um, artistic styles is, is incredible. But we've never had that with any other major characters. Right. Um, but uh, I personally just love what he did because it was so different. You know. Yeah. This, I mean, we look at this page that I've got in front of me on, uh, on my iPad, which is, uh, as you say, one of his architectural pages yeah. where Sagan's... Uh, Troops, so I think they're basically they're invading the floating palace of Westminster or Uxminster, Uxminster. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it is you know lots of architectural detail on there. And the reason I'm going to mention it, I think we'll come back to this page later on possibly. But the reason I'm going to mention it at this moment is um, we know Simon Harrison's moved off to fine arts. Recently in the Prague, we've had a new artist. We've had Stuart K. Moore doing Defoe, mm. and. The Defoe story that he did, where it was about you know actually developing uh, possibly spaceships and so yes, on, yes, yes, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought, as you know, Stuart Moore yeah. has looked at this, and he's he's clearly he seems to me some you know he's a very different artist, mm. but he seems to me to have been inspired by Simon Harrison as well for some of that stuff. It's possible, even if it's indirectly, to realise that you could be liberated from having to do things in a traditional way. Because, yeah. you know, that Defoe story is very... Um, I'm not sure if deconstructor is the right word, but it's... Um, he's not using a traditional way of telling the story, and it's almost disjointed, and it uses large architectural backgrounds with people overlaid over it. So, yes, it's... Um, yeah, I, I kind of see where you're going there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just, I just think it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, the other thing, of course, is black and white art, and traditionally on this yeah. side of the pond, we can, we like black and white I art. I mean, I absolutely adore black yeah. and white art. It's, yeah. it's my thing. Right. Uh, and, I, and I, you know, again, this is from a historical context. It wasn't long after this. Slain the Horn God introduced hundreds of copycat artists yes. and that hid a multitude of sins. Now many of those artists became later on great artists doing very different things and you know they, they weren't all rubbish but that slavish cop you know over painting style sort of almost killed off um, wonderful um, rendering rendered um, ink stories for, for a long time and it put it out of fashion which yeah. is a shame because nothing to me beats Really, and look at the feathering, the detailing on, on the, and his art. You know, it's, to me, it's, it's um, yeah. the hours he's put into this. I yeah. can appreciate. It's lovely. It's yeah, absolutely yeah. lovely. Yeah, black and white, lovely. Mm. So Simon Harrison, yeah, it's it's amazing stuff. Mm. Um, but of course, very different, as you say. Yeah, yeah. Let's move to the color side of things because mm. the second part of Final Solution, we then get. Colin McNeil. Colin McNeil, the great Colin McNeil. The great, yeah, yeah. and again, you know, another 2000 AD great, and another um, fantastic guy at conventions. Yeah, oh, he's lovely. I, I met him at um, Lawless last year. He's such a nice chap. But also, maybe he's one of the least appreciated because you look at the great 2000 AD stories. He was the artist for many of these, you know, yeah. like America and all the stuff with Chopin and um, even the recent one he did in the Prague felt like. A, a future classic to me, yeah. Uh, the one in like, South America. Uh, oh yes, what was that called? Guatemala. Guatemala, and yeah. I just felt, oh, it's 
it's got a bit of grit and nastiness and he's got an interesting style so yeah a, a great artist really yeah um he's managed to like you know be involved in a lot of these really important and quite punchy stories yeah um, but but also to me he didn't feel like the right artist for this and that's not a dig it in because I'm a massive fan I mean yeah we're massive fans of Colin McNeil yeah, would yeah. you have preferred Simon Harrison to continue through the run without a doubt yeah I mean I don't know the reasons he didn't I, I got the impression at the time that it was backlash against his style but I don't right. know if that's true I simply don't know um, but just for the sake of continuity if nothing else um, but also I think you know Colin's really good at like sensitivity and portray he's very good at portraying certain things mm. which ironically they're almost like the complete opposite of what the, the, this is a very nasty story <laughs> it was very gritty and it, like I say architectural and there was a lot of background details and it was ghettos yeah and I, I wouldn't necessarily pick Colin for that sort of thing if I was an editor um, mm. but but Colin's very good at sort of portraying humanity and faces and things like that um, but this is almost like a dehumanizing tale yeah. <laughs> Um, I suppose we should mention that the mm. first part of the final solution, uh, drawn by Simon Harrison, it mm. ends with one of the one of the sort of like shocking sequences yes. in the history That's of 2000 AD. Yes, yes, yes. Um, when we talk about Johnny Alpha, a character that was almost defined that his mutant power mm. was all to do with his eyes. Yeah, yeah. And of course, at the end of the first so first part, what happens? Yeah. His, uh, his eyes are burnt out. By, uh rather nasty creature yes so you know very Johnny shocking Alpha scene is yeah. blinded and mm. it's sort of like it's one of the sort of last images from this story i mean know? i would say that to me is the image not the death of johnny right that is the enduring image for me is i i forget that johnny dies in this actually right. but i always remember him losing his eyes because yeah. that's actually the the heroic scene um, but then they tried to do another heroic scene later and it doesn't quite have maybe the same impact to me but this right. this this is the impact part of the piece it's um, it's like wolf yeah. dying isn't it it's mm. like you know it's that it's that it's impactful it um, is, it is. I, I re it really feels like the big scene in, yeah. in this and it's almost unfortunate that it happens this early in the story because yeah. we've still got story to tell yes we've still got to get various characters a resolution of the story yeah, yeah. back to New Britain <laughs> but, but actually that works in a way because like I said the main story arc of this is Feral and um, Nolte and they actually drive the rest of the story so you know it's, it's alright Johnny being um, sidelined because they're actually driving the rest of the story because they, the, they are the characters in the story yes um, so yeah okay now you mentioned of course that this is a Marmite story <laughs> for 2008 fans that yeah, some yeah. love it and some hate it. Um, I mean, why do you think it is? Why do you think it's that uh, so divisive as a story? Okay, so I think number one, I would say the art, Simon Harrison's art, and I would say this because I'm not only a massive fan, but anyone time anyone saw in the uh, 2008 fan group publishes any art, there's half of us gone, wow, this is amazing. And I've ne there's no other artist. So many people are forward about it being negative. Right. Normally, if you don't like something, don't say anything. Don't People say are not yeah. afraid to articulate that they don't like it. Uh, and you, I don't see that on any other artist or any other story. And it always um, takes me back a little bit. Cause it's like, well, if you don't like something, you don't have to say anything. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, keep it to yourself. But people do feel the need. Um, and I, and I, and I, 
Um, and I think also that is not just because of Simon Harris's style. I think it's also to do with the fact that it wasn't Carlos. Right. And there's a still a little yeah. bit of this Carlos should have been drawing this because yeah. it's a Carlos character. Fair enough. Yeah, that's your opinion, you know. Yeah. But it, it, it was what it what it, what it was. Um, those are my feelings. I think also the death. Well, you know what? People die in comics all the time. Yes, they do. They do. <laughs> to me, it's like, yeah. How many times has the main, main character died? I, 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 I'm not. I, I don't buy that as actually being a strong reason yeah. to be that upset because yeah. it's just yeah. You can always change it. You know how many. Um, uh, rogue troopers that we have now in reboots and all yes, that, you know, true, it yeah. doesn't really yeah. matter and they've all been good so, yeah. it doesn't, it, so that to me doesn't feel like a reason it might, might be for some people but I, I think it, it feels more to do with the art and the continuity and the Carlos thing right. in my opinion but okay. others will have I'm sure other opinions yeah I mean I think you know obviously as you say people did sort of feel the, the absence of Carlos mm. um, who I understand chose not to draw the strip because mm. he didn't like the idea of killing off his character yeah yeah um, but yeah but also Simon Harrison's art is very marmite and I have come I've come to love it actually you know I really enjoyed Revere but I actually really enjoy this black and white inky yeah. art but as you say lots of negative space fantastic images um, so okay interesting it's an interesting story and of course as you say we talked about it briefly but it is a very political story which considering that it's now 30 years old seems scarily relevant unfortunately doesn't it? it it's but that, that I think that just in a nutshell tells you about why 2000 AD is such a great comic doesn't it yeah because you're reading things from 30 years ago which still feel relevant and punchy and important and you can relate to that tells you this is well written stories yeah you know and, and, and this is something that it's always been well always att attempted to do um, and yeah, I think that's that's a good sign. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it tells you that this is this is why 2008 has persisted, and many other good comics haven't. Yeah, it's not been afraid to have that relevance and feel very, very British relevant as well. And, and the tends to take context of our society, and, you know, our sort of uh, things that we worry about and are relevant to us, and we're angry about or we're frustrated about. And, yeah. 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 I mean, it's interesting, you know, we, you talked about the forums, the Facebook groups mm. and so on and people's reactions. And of course, you know, it's the internet. People mm. like getting upset about things on the internet. But it's interesting. There was, I can't remember which story it was recently or which image it was recently. And, and some people were attacking 2000 AD for being political. Oh, was the, this was the one about um, Farage was portrayed as some sort of alien, I think. Right. And it's like, well... People always forget, don't they? Yes. But this is entirely... You know, reading the comic. This yeah. is entirely... I mean, every single... I mean, it's like saying, taking Judge Dredd at face value and going, yes. he's a hero. You know, it's like, all of this is heaped in satire and meant to be relevant. You know, it's if you just want superior basham ups, there's plenty of other comics out there. Exactly, but yeah. 2000 at its core has a particular, or should have a particular value. Yeah, there is daft basham up comic stories in there, but at its core, the relevance is that heart and that mind and that, that Pat Mills bit of anger. Yeah. He's still, you know, he's, he's still fighting the system, bless him, isn't he? He is. <laughs> he is. He's still literally flicking the Vs on the Future Shock documentary. Yeah. You know, he's still... I, I know, I kind of go, I have to admire that because it's, um, 
it feels precious. It's that punk value that, that 2008 AD has. It feels, I mean, you know, considering it's 10, 12, 15 years after mm. punk, this particular story feels very punky. I think a lot of that's Simon Harrison. Oh, well, what I love is, and you look around the ghetto, there's lots of uh, references to bands like Front 214, or, you know, and there's lots yeah. of uh, really, you look around there and you go, oh, yeah, and it's, 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 it's very of the moment and it's it's got that energy and he's got all these little badges and he's got the sk- aggro skates you know goblins and all this sort of thing. yeah it's, it's got that energy it's got that aggro sort of side of it yeah yeah it's um you, know, you always have that it just maybe do wear slightly different clothes and listen to slightly different music but there's always that that edge um, in society do you think this was this story i mean apart from ending ending the uh, the tale of johnny alpha mm. was it was it setting up a new partnership of Ferrell and McNulty, mid and face McNulty, do you think? Was that in the intention? I'm not so sure. I, I, I just... I, I, I doubt it. I think if you're going to write a story, you want it to stand on its own two legs. And I, and I felt that they, their character journeys were an important way to tell the story. Um, from... From my understanding, reading comics, and you know, look at how people write stories. People just write stories yes. and then deal with how the, the cards dealt, and then pick up what was left last yeah. time. I don't think, and also when I've seen like people like John Wagner interviewed, I don't think that's a huge amount of planning goes into these. You sort right. of just deal with what you what, what you're left with. You do what you, a lot of a lot of the best writers just write themselves to, into a corner and then come up with a way to write it. That's how a lot of the best stories are written. Right. Write yourself into a corner and be creative to get out of that. So I, I suspect not. But I don't know, you'd have to ask yeah. And of course, you know, what happened was we got some doghouse stories mm. of other, other Strontium dogs, uh, other mutant bounty hunters. Yeah. And introduced and, another artist as well, so it's yeah, quite... Yeah. yeah. And then of course John and Carlos went back and told mm. stories about Johnny Alpha from yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's a couple of them included as bonuses yes, in, in the back, yeah, in the back yeah, yeah. of this collection. Uh, and of course there's famously there's Top Dogs which has got Johnny and Wolf uh, which we talked about when we did the Judgment Day story um, and then eventually of course John and Carlos decide well he's dead we can bring him back exactly. we'll figure it out exactly <laughs> and we've it's had you know, how, did, how can you not do that yeah and, and, and you know the life and death of Johnny Alpha as a as a story arc will be coming up at some point on the podcast we've mm. got somebody who's chosen that to do as well yeah, so yeah. we'll we will come back to this at some point. Yeah, and it's if you've got a good character, they'll they'll persist. They'll persist. Right. But I I think this is not a Johnny Alpha story. You think this is a? He's an incidental character. Right. In, it's telling our story, uh, and it's telling a political story, and it uses other characters of the art. But he's he's not the hero in this. No, he does heroic things, but he's. Yeah, I wouldn't get, if you're a big fan of Johnny Arthur, I wouldn't get too attached to, to him in this because it's not necessarily really about him. Okay. I'm going to ask you some more questions about the artwork in a moment. Okay. Is there anything else you wanted to mention about the story that we haven't touched on or covered yet? Um, no, I think it just mentioned it. I mean, uh, for me, what throws this out for me really is the art. I mean, the story's yeah. nice and it flows very well and it's very topical. Um, it's, it's a fun, well-paced read. Yeah. And a lot of humour. McNulty's great in this. I he mean, really is great. Mid and face McNulty's always yeah, great. He, he's he? just... And he gets quite a lot to do in this one, doesn't he? Yeah, he does a lot. He's adorable. He's the driving force of this. This is going to be a great scene. Again, it's got, you know, he's, uh, he has a run-in with an estate agent, which not only feels very ages, but still feels a bit, you know... Yeah. If you've ever had to worry about stamp duty. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Okay, let's go back to the artwork then. I mm-hmm. think I think the answer to this one is fairly straightforward. We've probably covered it. But your favourite of the two artists in this collection for for this story, yeah. Simon Hunstone, because he just uh, is the is the totally the right artist to sell such a, a gritty but energetic story. Yeah. Um, because I think in a nutshell, those are the two adjectives that, that co- you know cover cover what you want from the art duties. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, I think we've established we're we're huge fans of Colin McNeil. We're mm. huge fans mm. of Carlos and John. Uh, we're particularly huge fans of Alan Grant's. I'm uh, sorry. Huge fans of Alan Grant's contributions mm. to the story and to 2000 in general. But Simon Harrison just sort of blows us away in this collection um, with his. It's, it's a. It's just a beautiful beautifully rendered high intensity great um, compliment for the story yeah it it really works okay let's talk about particular images then let's Mm. play the grail page game so if i could give you your choice of all of this artwork the various simon harrison covers that are at the back of the book or even the colin mcneil cover to the actual collection Mm. itself what would you pick to hang on your wall if we could afford it for you I quite like this one I've just got here, where the showdown between Johnny and Ferrell because of a, um, the intensity. Anthony, the way he he draws an electro nux, just these these, these few pages that it, it's just um, see Johnny's all all in, on black and Ferrell's all white and again, yes. there's a, there's a like a black, you know that, yeah. that contrast it's like there. a negative image, isn't yeah. It? yeah, and and look at the way he, he he's jumping here and it's just. Um, You've got the fade out in the background. He's he spent ages doing these tiny little dots to um, show the background, and it's just uh, the way he he, he draws um, folds and shades. There's so many panels in this. It's yeah. not even as like there's a single page. I think it's the individual panels. There's not like a splash. The splash pages are great, but yeah. I love the way he he puts the energy into the the panels and tells the story. So we're looking at a couple of pages in The Final Solution Part 13, I think, which, as you say, is Johnny facing off against Feral. And they are just fantastic, aren't they? They're just glorious black and white 2080 artwork. Um, It's a shame Simon Harrison, in a way, lost him to the world of fine art, but, you know, um, he's done very well and been very successful there. So, you know, good for him. So, okay. So those two pages there? Yeah, and I think there's another scene where... um, an earlier one, if I can find it, where um, he sort of puts his shades on and gets kitted out to go out and kick ass. Um, there it is. Yeah, he's got like the acid T-shirt and punk on it, and it's got the, and he just sort of looks ready to sort of go out and party, and um, it's just got attitude there. Right, and they're fantastic. Yes. Yeah. So there is, as you say, Feral, all kitted up, all ready to go. Uh, his acid punk t-shirt yeah and he's got this band graffiti front to four two and KRS one and um, now of course you know people can't see what we're looking at but what I will do as ever is I'll post all these images mm. on the socials and on the Facebook page on the forum so people know what Tim's chosen um, but yeah it's going to be Simon Harrison art for you and we'll put those in the yeah. virtual art gallery and also, as we were mentioning architecturally, there's a there's a little side panel. Oh, here it is, just in this bottom of this corner. Again, it's a lovely page with the ferrule on the top here. But where they've got the um, the ships are intersecting with Johnny in the bottom right hand corner. It's a beautifully architect, you know, just sort of blueprints 
drawing of two ships, yes. totally in contrast to the whole rest of the page and, the, and what he's been doing. And again, it's just, um, it's really cool. Really cool. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, at the end of the day, that's what we want in comics. Sure. We want cool images, yeah, don't we? We yeah, love yeah. cool things to look has at. to tell a story, but yeah. if it's cool as well, there's no harm. Cool, excellent. So those are the images you've chosen for your Grail pages, and we will put those on uh, the forums and everything, and I'll show them. Um, I was tempted by the sort of Greek tragedy, almost, of the image of the blinded Johnny oh. Alpha portrayed by Colin McNeil on the front page of it the is. Final Solution. So when I saw Colin at Lawless, I did ask him if he had time, would he be able to do one for me? Because, again, it's... it's it's a gr it is a great image, the one yeah. on the cover. I mean, it, it, is, it is great. Um, it's just I'm such a fan of Simon Harris. Yes. And yeah. there's so little of it available. But yes, no, no, I totally agree. That image of him, the hollowed out eyes. And, um, it does look like something from a Greek tragedy, doesn't it? This is, but this is Colin's strength. He's so good at humanising, portraying emotion and, and features. He, he just... You, you know, you, you, if you want an artist, you, you, you pick a story, you pick images that play to their strengths, and you told, you know, it's great. It's, right. It is really great, yeah. I'm going back to page uh, 29 in the digital collection, which is that architectural image yeah. of um, one of Lord yeah, Sagan's the gunship trips, as well. The, the gunship, isn't it? The uh, floating palace of Upminster. Um, I, again, it's just a lovely image. You know, the amount of work that Simon Harrison has put in on that page, I would happily hang that anywhere. It's just yeah, glorious. Yeah. So again, I'll put that one up when this episode comes out. Um, so, Strontium Dog, The Final Solution. Ooh. You've got the trade paperback, which is currently $13.99. I've got the digital collection, which is $9.99, both from the 2000 AD store. Mm -hmm. Uh, highly recommended, obviously. We both think, you know, if you've not yeah. read it, pick it up. Um, quick question. Later this year, I know that Rebellion are bringing out a collection of the original Star-Lord Strontium Dog stories. Oh, now, we've said how much we love black and white art, but of course the Star-Lord ones were colour. Mm. And when they've been reproduced over the years, they've been reproduced in black and white and it looks rather sort of muddy when yeah, you do that yeah, colour yeah, reproduction yeah, black yeah. and white um, is that a collection you'd be interested in later on uh, will you be getting that do you think possibly not just because and this this is going to sound bad because if we don't about Strontium Dog but I'm not necessarily a massive fan of Johnny Arthur and the Strontium Dog and, 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 and Carlos I, I've learned to appreciate it but there's there's other things that I like more right um, because for me um, in that era so I was reading lots of war comics and from from that era and the hand-me-downs and they, they didn't feel different enough from right. what the other things I was I was I was reading uh, there's a continuity between like the traditional battle comics and the cowboy westerns and that and that, what excited me was the very different sort of things. Right. Um, but, you know, I'm sure, I say this and I'll flick through it and I go, ooh, that's gorgeous. And, you know, you know, you know, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Shiny things. <laughs> yeah, we, might, we might say, that, yeah. That's another thing to go on the shelves. Yeah. 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 Okay. Tim, great. So that's been Strontium Book Final Solution. Um, guest projects time. Now, we met, I think, the last time we had... Uh, an Eastern contingent meeting, which is what we're off to go to. Yes, we're off to the uh, shortly yeah. to meet up with Gary Hill and all the others. Hopefully, yeah. if they've survived the storm as well. Um, and of course, last time you were sketching. Mm. Tell us a little bit about your own art and who's your favourite sort of characters to draw. Um, 
I think I've just always drawn, and I, I enjoy. I draw because I enjoy it. I right. enjoy for, for therapy. It's, it's 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 and I enjoy I enjoy figure drawing. Um, I think what I liked about comics is you know someone like uh, Alan Davis is absolutely my favourite artist. Oh right, absolutely by um, country mile, um, and I just enjoy learning figure drawing. I'm not necessarily even bothered about you know a lot of people oh, I really want to draw draw George Dredd I just want to draw humans looking like you <laughs> you know right. I want to draw interesting things um, and, and I think drawing human anatomy effectively doing something is the hardest thing you can do in art mm. um, it's, it's a real challenge and this is why I admire comic artists because then they have to do it within the context you're also the director and the cinematographer you can't just pick the nice shots you have to yes. pick it so it's telling a story um, but yeah I just enjoy art I, I've enjoyed reading comics for so long that I appreciate the medium enough that I want to learn how to do it. So, right. you know, and every October I'll, I'll spend about, I'll do 100, 100 days, I'll just draw art every single day and I'll get right. a bit burnt out. Um, but it's something I enjoy doing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And do you do anything with, I mean, I know you were doing sketches for other fans yeah. last time. Do you do anything else with your art at the moment? Um, or any plans to? So I, I, I sort of flit. So I, I like doing my, my pen and ink drawing. I also do uh, miniatures games, just come out. Oh, right. I do a lot of miniatures painting oh, as well. Okay. Um, so I've painted all those up. Um, I sort of, I'll just flip between the things that excite me. Um, yeah. So, um, but in terms of, I don't, I don't necessarily have a project because I... Um, puts pressure on me to actually have to tell a story. I've done some comics in the past, so I've published them online, but it, you have to really have the muse because it requires a real, uh, I have to have something that a motive to tell. You're just doing yeah. superheroes beating each other up is not right. exciting to me. And when I've done things, they felt very, um, I've needed to articulate something that's been, you know, I, I'd worked in Sri Lanka and I'd seen a lot of quite horrible things there and I had to write a story about um, how I felt about that and the things I'd seen. Um, and it was after the tsunami and it was just, um, that, that felt quite um, important to me, but I kind of need that kick in the ass to want to, to do some otherwise. I'll just, I'll just draw you know, right. things for fun. So yeah, that's, that's kind of me in terms of art. Okay, but as you say, it's, um, it's something you find you know very enjoyable and therapeutic yeah. and helpful as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, it's a great I, thing to do. And it's one of those things. Um, one of my friends recently, he saw I've been posting lots of artwork. And he says, you know what? Yeah. Do you do? Oh, I don't, you know, I don't know how to draw. I'd love to. And he says, well, the secret to drawing is just drawing. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if you don't draw, you'll not be able to draw. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's you just have to do it. Um, and he's and he got into sketching and he, and he started doing some stuff and he's, you know, he's showing me all this stuff and he's really excited. So, oh, just do it. Yeah. Just do it. It's fun. Yeah. Because who's judging? Nobody cares. You should be doing it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we have this thing in in my family where we're doing these sketch postcards. You know, if you go away, you just sketch a postcard and then send it to somebody. Right. Okay. That's and, a lovely and you, idea. Yeah. And, and you're quite right. The answer is. I found myself, mm. and I'm terrible at it. But the answer is, you just got to keep doing it. Go, yeah, yeah. got to keep doing it. Continuity. Yeah. I think the hardest thing is just being. What I've found is all good artists, the great artists I know, they're far more self-critical than anyone I know. I'd right. like to be a good artist, but the problem is I'm not critical enough. When I see how critical good artists are, because you know it's not necessarily about the hours; it's about wanting to do it better. I look at good artists and they're they what's good enough for me is not good enough for them so that's why for me fun thing not a job thing because I, I don't want to put that pressure on myself I'm always amazed that when I 
had um, the chance to meet Mick McMahon at one of the mm. conventions and I had a collection of slain Warriors Dawn which has got that image of him on, of slain on the front cover battling the time beast mm. yeah, yeah. and it's one of my favourite ever images from 2000 yeah, yeah. and I gave that to him to sign just the you know, trade yeah. or whatever and of course, Mick McMahon's looking at it and going, oh, that's rubbish, isn't it? That's terrible. Look at that bit. Look at that bit. And I was thinking, it's, it's, it should be hanging in a national gallery. Yeah. But yeah, as you say, they are always very critical of their own work, aren't they? They really are. But also, don't forget, for such, there's such an emotive response to this artwork. It yes. happens at a particular time in our lives when we're feeling a particular way, and it makes us feel a certain way. Yeah. It's very, very loaded for us. Whereas if you're a pro churning out, you know, a page a day, <laughs> I'm surprised you even remember Yes, it. I know. <laughs> Tim, it's been great. We've yes, been uh, chatting about uh, a great book. We're off yeah. to meet some other 2080 fans and talk more comics very soon at the Eastern Contingent Meetup. Yep. Find out details of that on Facebook. Um, and I guess that will do it. So I can, I, I sometimes forget to bring these with me, but I can present you your Mega City Book Club coaster. Oh, thank you very your much. appearance fee live on air, wow. as it were. I, I do feel like I'm, I'm a pro now. <laughs> now so you're a member of the club now, yeah. you see. That's it. I'm pro in the world of podcasts. Thank you very much. And thank you to everybody for listening to Mega City Book Club. Find out all the details at megacitybookclub.com. Email me with suggestions or comments or books you'd like to cover yourself. Uh, mcbcpodcast at gmail.com and that will just do it so it's a big thank you to my guest Tim Burnell who's given up his time here in um, Cambridge the Espresso Library slightly noisy but we'll see what we can do with it in the edit um, and until next time when we're passing judgement on another great 2000 AD book uh, it's a goodbye from me and yeah goodbye from me thank you very much Bye.